Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiniest Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. You are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We got more Cal's Truth for you today. All right, I'll just go ahead and get started. During her free time, she scoured through the books. Although most of them had missing pages, since the forbidden knowledge had been removed, Cal could tell that the humans had fought in a war. She couldn't quite tell what war they were fighting or even who they were fighting against, but she had to assume that the humans were in conflict with the Turisticus, since there was no mention of the enemy. There were references to some of the battles that Hayden had mentioned, and by all accounts, humans fought bravely and with valor. He couldn't tell her much about her father, other that his platoon had participated in most of the major battles of the Turisticu Wars. Cal couldn't understand the way the Turisticu suppressed knowledge. All instances of the word Turisticu were stricken from the books, yet the glory of the human empire was everywhere. If humans were the fierce warriors the books proclaimed, then why glorify them? Wouldn't showing the strength of humans also display the weakness of the Turisticu? Cal now understood why humans were separated from all the other prisoners during free time. She only saw Hayden in the cafeteria because humans were such fierce warriors. Better keep them separate so they don't incite a riot. Easy enough to accomplish since there weren't any humans really in the prison, except for the few that she had met. In fact, she only saw those few, and they were always on different work shifts. Once free time was almost over, she stored her book away and walked towards the door. She nodded to the lusty sealar and stepped into the hallway where Grenork blocked her way. He hadn't bothered her for weeks, largely because she was good at avoiding him. But she always knew her luck wouldn't last forever. His breath stank, 
and as he leaned closer, Cal rolled her eyes and prepared herself for another beating. She had heard he injured himself in the refinery earlier that day. Perhaps during his visit to the doctor it stirred up old memories of when she sent him to be tortured in solitary. She considered running, but she knew she wouldn't get very far. The door leading back to the common area had to be unlocked by a touristic guard, and realistically she knew that if they saw her running for her life they'd more likely pull out a chair and watch rather than come to her aid. You have disrespected my house, the Orkandu roared and lifted her off the ground. You have disrespected my name. Can't we just let the refinery incident go? You already sent me to the doctor once. You have already paid penance for your transgressions in the refinery. By Orkandu law, you will be free from persecution from that incident. Well, at least Orkandu law isn't totally barbaric. Doctor says you are the traitor's seed. By Orkandu law, you will suffer the sins of your father. I, I, I take back what I said about Orkandu law. W wait, my father? Do you know about my father? Enough talk. By ancient rights, I will take your life for... During her trips to the library, Cal had a lot of time for reading about Orkandu physiology. She knew the exact placement of his sensitive genital area, and it was within kicking distance. With a swift flick of her foot, she connected to a region right below his third rib, and it had to be a narrow hit, but she was highly agile and accurate. Since the village games of her youth involved boulders and tree logs that would break her bones with any lack of precision, she had learned to hit targets before they could hit her. From the screeching sound and the loosening of his grip, she could tell she had connected to his private regions. She wiggled free from his hands and dashed down the hall. While the touristic guards might be useless for breaking up a fight, they couldn't tolerate property damage. When she got to the end of the hallway that led to the common area, she looked around for a tool. There was an empty chair nearby in the hallway, used by inmates while waiting for their parole deliberation. It was nice, a strong metal chair. The Orkandu roared from the distance and the Tristicu guards stood up to watch. While the Tristicus didn't have any expression in their black eyes, she knew the guard was smiling inside. They enjoyed causing pain, and she thought she was going to use the chair to defend herself from Grand Orc. She knew the defense was futile, so she turned to the doorway of the common room and slammed the chair into it. As the glass window buckled, the Tristicu took out his floating disc. She slammed the chair again and again, and the glass shattered. Granork roared around the corner, seething for blood. He charged, and the next few moments were a blur. The guard floated from the grate above and stunned Cal. The enraged Orkandu was already in full attack mode and slammed in the Tristicu, sending them both down in a heap. The stunner flared, and Granork went limp. The Tristicu pulled himself from underneath the Orkandu. Grenork's body shook as it was shocked again. More guards floated down and began kicking Grenork. The Tristicu that Grenork had hit stumbled back and let his comrades do the beating. He leaned against the wall, clutching his bleeding thigh. The horn protruding from Grenork's forehead must have gored the guard. There was a hole in the thick Tristicu skin, and in the hole there was blood and soft tissue beneath. So the Tristicus weren't invincible. They could be killed. Cal woke before Grenork. They were in the doctor's hallway. 
Granork must be damaged because his breath came out in short, gravelly rasps. The guards were brutal when they beat him. She felt sorry for him despite the fact that he had attempted to kill her minutes earlier. Damaging a person in a fight was one thing, but the Terrestrials kept beating long after Granork went unconscious. They were taking mounds of flesh for the inches lost by their wounded guard. Cal couldn't help but think about what Granork said about her father. Even if Grenork was an enemy of her father, he was the closest she had been to discovering anything about him. Her mother would not talk to him at all, and Hayden didn't know anything either. All Cal knew was that when the Turisticus invaded the planet, he decided to fight against them. Her mother had a deeply buried hurt related to her father. Whenever Cal would ask about him, it was like opening a wound from the past, and she learned not to push it for the sake of her mother. Cal had always assumed that the patch was the from the uniform was proof of her father's death. If Grand Orc wanted to enact some blood feud against her, then her father's death may have left her the next likely target. She needed to find out more about her father. A hulking creature out for her decimation would pose a challenge, but not an insurmountable one. There had to be some way to convince Grand Orc that she wasn't the enemy. In her village, Per Itel would often compete against her as he was the weakest of all the boys. In rare moments when Cal caught the throwing stone without breaking a rib, Per would be the first to try and tackle her. Per had trouble taking down the other Earth brothers and sisters, so when he had a chance to block a scoring run, he would target Cal. At first, she hated Purr, but then, after a discussion with her mother, she felt sorry for him. Rockball was a lot like what Sarge had called this thing called football, except that there were six teams and six end zones. It was a complex strategy game because the teams would often win and lose allies throughout the course of play. While only one team could win, almost every winning team had the support of an ally. Often a weaker team would seek the support of a stronger one because allies of the winning team were honored as much as the winners. Alliances were always shifting and changing, and the team on top one season might not be good the next. For Cal, it was easy to understand where Purr went wrong with his strategy. He always tried to align himself with the strongest team and viewed Cal's team as the rival. If Purr didn't get too close with the strongest team, he believed Cal would. She changed the whole game when she realized that the weakest teams were going about it all wrong. If she made alliance with Purr and the other bottom tier team instead, then the strongest teams would be too busy focusing on each other to worry about the weaker teams. The strong teams would never bond together because they wouldn't want to share their victory with their rivals. Cal's plan had worked out flawlessly. Purr's team went on to win the game, and of course Purr gave himself all the credit, but Cal didn't want glory. She was happy enough to feel a part of her Earth brothers and sisters' activities. Her reward was that she felt like she belonged rather than an object of pity. The experience had taught her an important lesson. Even blood feuds may be forgotten when there's something greater at stake. She slapped Grenork awake. She was poking a Borkakor beast in its den, but she needed to wake him up before the doctor came to visit. There was an absence of screaming coming from the doorways. Unlike the last time she visited, the doctor could emerge at any moment 
After some light nudges and slaps wouldn't rouse the creature, she kicked the thing in the stomach. Granite's eyes opened with a snarl. I thought Orcandus didn't feel pain, Cal said. We feel pain, it just doesn't control us. What you hear about us are rumors, and we care not to dispel it for their advantage in battle. You will now pay the blood price, betrayer of... Granork stumbled to his feet. The beating had taken its toll on his body, but his spirit was intact. What did my father do? It's not what your father did, but what your species does. My people have a blood feud with your people. My village is peaceful. I've heard enough of your lies. Whoa, whoa. Cal said as he grabbed her by the shirt. W wait, I think you might want to hold off on that. Why? What can you offer that will be more satisfying than your death? A way off the station? How? Let's just say I have a way to get to the Touristicule level, and from there we just need to commandeer a ship? I excuse me, a muffled voice said from a room where the Quad Helix was before. Cal slipped out of the Orcandu's grip. She opened the door to the Nightmare Factory. The Orcandu gasped at the sight of body parts. What sort of wizardry is this? The Quad Helix's head now had a torso and the arms of a couple different species. He was shackled to the operating table. There were marks where the flesh was taken for samples, burns, and other signs of experimentation. He sat up as best he could when they entered the room. I couldn't help but overhear the talk of escape. I would very much like to be a part of your plan, Granork snarled. What makes you think we have time to bring a cripple? Because I am an expert at computer systems. I specialize in breaking in and out of complex security. You cannot walk. Legs are a simple matter of acquiring new ones. There are plenty of suitable ones in this room. What else does it mean who can change his appearance, often do with his time, other than pursuing less than legal occupations? Trust me when I say that you'll need me if you intend to leave here. A plan began to formulate in Cal's mind. Earlier, she was just making it up to save her from the pain of another Orcandu attack, but the Quad Helix skills could be put to use. We'll find a way to get you out of here. Cal said. She heard a door open from down the hallway. Cal turned to Grenork and put his hand on her shirt. She gave him a sign to lift her off the ground. Grenork roared and picked her up. I will feast on your remains! Dr. Fessler injected something into Grenork. He was out in seconds, toppling on top of Cal. The doctor leaned closer to see Cal's face. They are such brutes! I'll get my aide to take care of him. As for you, I'm excited to get a look at the half-breed myself. It's so rare when a different alien species can produce viable offspring. What do you mean, Cal said? Who was my father? Tisk tisk, you do not get to ask the questions. We have some dissections to do. He pressed a few buttons on his e-needle and injected her with something. Her body went limp, but she was fully aware and could feel pain. Half Null provided her with more healing goop. She silently vowed to get him out of the prison. She didn't care that he felt like he deserved to be here. He had changed. She knew it. Grand Nork would probably be hard to convince about Half Null's value, but she knew they would be injured in the escape, and they wouldn't have a choice but to fight their way out of prison. She knew they would need him after they were out. While her wounds faded and the memories of the living dissection were buried, she thought of her mother. Cal always thought of her mother as being the strongest one in the village. While most mated couples would be surrounded by their children, Cal's mom 
had only the one child and never another mate. When Cal had heard her mother weeping late at night, she knew her mother wept for her father. Cal never pressed for more information because she knew the pain it caused. Now that Cal was in prison and had experienced pain in unfathomable ways, she wished she had pressed her mother for more information. It wasn't fair that Cal should only know vague references and that she was shielded from the truth her mother had buried. Her mother would eventually bounce back from any pain his memory would cause. For the first time in her life, Cal hated her mother. Cal faced a pang of guilt when she cursed her mother. Her mom was dead now, and Cal felt it was wrong to dishonor her spirit with such feelings. But it still didn't change the fact that her mother's suppression of the knowledge had put Cal in this precarious situation. At least her mother taught her one valuable lesson. From her mother's example, Cal knew how to suppress her emotions, so she buried her mother's memory deep into her subconscious. All right, we're getting close to the end of Cal's... Uh, truth here and uh you know uh <laughs> uh then we're off to the next one uh you know part three in the series uh uh hayden's mistake and and, and yeah once again this is going all the way to part eight so you know thank you so much for listening to my stuff uh you know if you are enjoying you know these kind of books tell a friend please uh you could get them on Amazon and, and, or you could listen to them here. You know what I mean? Like, like whether you're someone that likes to listen to books or you're someone that likes to read books, uh, you can get them out to people or, uh, consider reviews. Reviews help a lot. And I, you know, honest reviews, of course, n not looking for anyone just to, you know, <laughs> give a good review just cause I told you, I want you to, you know, tell me what you think about it. So, uh, Great. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and and uh, be careful about Orcandus. They're a little uh, angry folk, uh, <laughs> but they're certainly loyal once once you have one on your side. If you you know kind of see what's coming here. A anyways, uh, thank you so much for uh, listening, and I will. Uh, you know, don't forget to listen to all the other stuff on the Real Paranormal Activity Network. Have a good night.